Ed Carball, Matt Hawkins here with Coast to Coast Combat Hour. Our guest this week is uh, the legendary Chad George um, of California MMA. Is it California MMA and Fitness, your gym? Yeah, that, that, that's close enough. CMMA, California <laughs> Mixed Martial Arts, both of them work. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, you have a, a, you're going to be the first featured fighter on Fight TV's Life of a Fighter. It's like a docu-series. And uh, that's what we're here to talk about. So thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So why don't you break uh, break down? I mean, uh, depending on what our time frame looks like, I might ask you about some of your, your fighting history, just cool. being a Perfect. fan. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but why don't you get into this uh, documentary? I saw it posted on your Instagram. It looks like it, it works your way through your, your fight career. Uh, why don't you tell us as much about it as you can? Well, um, so there was a documentary that was made about me uh, several years back. Um, I don't know if you guys caught it. It was called Occupation Fighter. And it was, it was, it was an amazing film about a, an athlete that was trying to make it in the sport that um, was dealing with tons of adversity that I had to deal with. And it, the film sparked a lot of amazing feedback from people around the world. And as my career kind of really became a career after that, um, this last fight that I had, I retired in 2019, uh, was the end of my career. And a lot of people said they wanted to talk, at least my, um, people in the, in my community really wanted to bring it all together because my story is no different than anybody else in, in regards to that. I'm just a person that's nobody special who kept fighting. I've had to deal with things my entire life, my entire career. And I just kept going and I just, ha I was able to make a career out of this and this story is what we were able to tell with this new documentary, Life of a Fighter. And it, it deals with not only my evolution going as a fighter and a transition into me as a coach, we also get introduced to other athletes that are going through the same process that I was going through. We've got guys that are um, using this as a way of over, overcoming addiction. We have guys that are using this that are crossing the country, living out of their car. You know, these are all things that I know very well. And we also touch on the, the mental health side of things that is not talked about enough in not only in combat sports, but in sports, period. You know what? That's uh, that's it. Uh, I'm really glad that you mentioned that, because that's something I remember at the beginning of the pandemic. I spoke with uh, he passed away, actually, Sergio da Silva. Um, he passed away uh, towards the end of last year. And that's something he and I talked about when I interviewed him um, uh, just before, just literally at the peak of the pandemic about just because we were all, no one could train, you know, everybody was suffering mentally and stuff like that. Um, which brings me to my question to you, you know, uh, you fought your last fight in 2019 and then you're focusing on training and coaching all these guys, everything you just talked about, you probably had to double time it to help all these guys with everything that just happened. Is that, can you just talk about that a little bit? Um, now when you're saying everything that just happened, you mean like with the pandemic? The pandemic, and Yeah. Well, throw it also. I also had a kid during the pandemic, so oh, wow. my Congrats. wife and I had they, uh, we uh, we had our we had our son Logan, who was born right in the middle of it in May. So you know, going through trying to figure out if my gym's going to survive. I've got guys that I'm coaching that are traveling around around the country, so I've been traveling with them, trying to figure out how to do this parenting thing, raising a kid, and while trying to deal with the stresses of like everything that I have going on in my life as well. And so, you know, trying to jumble everything together with no, with no playbook was hard. It's, and it's still hard. You know, every day is that challenge. But I think what's allowed me to find comfort in it 
is knowing that I've had to deal with uncertainties my entire life and also throughout my entire career. I think that is what makes life. It's overcoming the uncertainties. It's overcoming the things that you didn't have an answer to. Mm -hmm. And then realizing like, holy shit, I did that. And that gives you the confidence to reach out and, and face the next challenge that's in front of you. And, you know, that's what we've been dealing with this whole time. You know, I've got my athletes just trying to keep them in the gym during this. You know, like, hey, guys, I need you to go for a run. Why? There's no fights. Well, because it's not about having a fight. It's mm -hmm. about adopting the lifestyle. And so we've had to try to create these guys to wow. become not just fighters, but adopt the lifestyle of what it means to be a fighter. And that's something that I didn't understand until years later into my career. You you know, you mentioned years later in your career. Now, looking back at your record, for me, it was kind of fun because while I didn't get to go to all your fights, I see I recognize a lot of the names you fight, the Shad Smiths, the uh, bunch of these guys that, that were kind of around the Indian reservation scene uh, in the early 2000s. How do you think uh, – you, so, I mean, you got into this about 23 or so, your first fight. So you, you grew up – you came out of high school kind of during the wild, wild west of California MMA. How yeah. do you think being a part of it from that point – to where we're at now, where while there's obviously slowed down due to the pandemic, but MMA has exploded to a scene that I imagine I couldn't have imagined it back then. I, I don't think you probably could have either where we're at now. How, how has that helped you in coaching as far as explaining to everybody the, the different things that can happen along the way? Well, I look at it this way. I mean, come on. I, I fought on the very first sanctioned event in California. So, I mean, when I, when I first started, it wasn't even legal here. My very first fight, we talked about it a little bit, that it was in Tijuana, Mexico. I had to go to Mexico and fight because it wasn't legal. You know, so these guys have such an opportunity now. And even back then, we didn't know how to train. We were just trying to figure this thing out. We're like, I think this is how you train for a fight. Um, what do you do? Well, let's put on gloves. Let's beat each other up every day as much as we can because I think that's how you get ready for a fight. Let's, let's whoop each other's ass. That's the only thing we could think of. And then we talked to other gyms, and that's what they were doing, so it seemed right. Mm -hmm. now the evolution of what this thing has gotten with the high level coaching, the guys that have been through it, that understand what to do, what not to do. So the guys that are like, I, I can say it now or my era are the ones that are emerging in my opinion to be the, the coaches that are going to help boom the technical side of the sport to something that we can't even understand right now. I mean, I've got some 18, 19 year old kids in my gym mm -hmm. that I'm thankful I'm done fighting. <laughs> you know, these, these, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny that you're saying that. Well, uh, my instructor said something the other day. He's like, you know, when you're training, uh, guys in jujitsu and, and mixed martial arts and stuff, it's, it's the only martial art discipline where you're, where you're teaching your students to eventually beat you one day. That's it. <laughs> yes. And, I did a, I did a thing the other day and they're like, well, what happens when, you know, your student beats you? I'm like, I hope they do. I hope yeah. I get tapped. I hope that they are able to catch me. Why? Because that means I'm doing my job. Yeah. Like I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and ride my own ego. I'm done fighting. Of course, I still. You know, I got to get on the mat and you know remind them sometimes. You know, like uh, you know what's going on. But yeah. I, I'm very strategic of the battle. I wait to the very end of practice when they're tired, <laughs> and I jump in. And I'm like, see, coach still got it. Yeah. No, try. It's a uh, guilty as charged too as a 45 year old grappler. Um, <laughs> But uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, you, you, I remember they featured you uh, over at Lights Out when you were fighting your last fight. And now you have this thing coming out on Fight TV on Friday. Um, what does it make you feel when you when you're approached about like we want to we want to feature your story? Like, do you even you know, because you, you were the last time I talked to you when I interviewed, interviewed you for sure, dog. I mean, it was, you were very selfless. Like you're you I mean, you made this move, obviously, because you wanted to help 
everyone you just mentioned, your students and all these up and coming fighters. So, so uh, what, what's, what's your initial reaction when they're saying, Hey, we want to do a, a feature on you. I think it's awesome. You know, um, like when we talked before, for me, fighting has given me a platform to be able to help people. You know, it's allowed me to find who I am. It's allowed me to walk around with confidence. It's allowed me to understand that like everything that I've gone through in my life has allowed me to become the man I am today. And the fact that my story gets to get out there and help more people, it's, it's heartwarming. I mean, this is exactly what I want to do. I want to be able to reach out to as many people and let them know that, listen, I'm nobody special. Mm-hmm. I'm just a guy that decided not to give in to all the bullshit. And if I can do it, so can anybody else. And, you know, this 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 film coming out like this is is exactly the proof of it. Does it have footage going back years and years or is it mainly your stories? Or do you have all the old footage? Um, believe it or not, it's got little bits of almost all of it. So when you get when you watch the, the documentary, they touch on a little bit of my history. They touch on all these things. So you're going to learn who I am, what I've gone through a little bit and then it's going to transition into me becoming the coach while preparing for my last fight, dealing with a lot of uh, injuries that I've had for most of my career, certain new things pop up. And then we also have a, a, some, some tragedy happen as well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing, you know, as somebody that covers the sport interviews, a lot of fighters and um, seeing what they go, I just mentioned Sergio and you talked about the stuff that you went through. Um, you know, I feel like sometimes when the, as big as mixed martial arts has become, it's almost like folks kind of forget that, you know, the, you, all you fighters are all, are still human beings. And um, it's rare that we get to see an inside look that, that you're giving us on fight TV. But uh, I got a question talking about evolution and, and of the way the game has evolved and stuff like that. Do you ever find yourself? Um, I don't want to say shaking your head, but like when people talk about a, 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 the new hot technique of the week or whatever, you know, like, you know, you get guys that get into leg locks and things like that. Like now in MMA, it seems like the calf kick has become very popular. I mean, what, what's your you've fought like 15 years. That's that's not tech, really a new move to you, right? No, I mean, listen, all this stuff's been around. It's just now mm-hmm. people are utilizing it more. You know, I'm so, I'm a huge fan of the sport still. I mean, I obsess on it. I watch all these things um, like I'm like this uh, this weekend. I fly out to Missouri. I've got one of my athletes fighting for the LFA world title. You know, so we're, we're, we study, we study, we study. So all the things that we see on TV, I mean, I look at it all the time. So it's about, yes, it's been around, but now people are emphasizing it, right? It's just like certain things, like maybe maybe a certain choke is the flavor of the week that everybody's uh, really hooked on. You know, so it just, you got to see what people are using, and then you can understand the way that gym is training. And that's the way you start analyzing, um, you know, who your opponents are and what you're getting ready for. It's not just the technique. You have to look at how they train as a collective, and mm-hmm. then you can start getting inside the mindset of the way they're training to beat us. So, going back in your history a little bit, you 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 were a wrestler, um, correct? And then you you transitioned. Who did you who did you tra- who did you get trained for? Who was your instructor for jujitsu, and where and when did you decide to take the step and in, in, into MMA? Um, it was the stupidest decision I had ever made in my life. I was coming out of college doing a bunch of drugs and uh, things that were not healthy for me. And uh, I was trying to find a wrestling gym because I'd wrestled my whole life. And um, I had zero desire of getting an MMA. I mean, you got to remember, we're talking 2003, 2004, where MMA was nothing like what it is right now. And my, I remember a buddy uh, told me that you know, I could find a wrestling um, gym. But this is when they pulled the funding from all the colleges. 
So there was no wrestling programs anywhere. I couldn't get a gym just to go work out in. And lifting weights has always been next to death to me. Like, I, I cannot stand just lifting weights and running on an elliptical. I, I can't do it. So uh, a buddy of mine that I worked on a project with, I was in art and film school, uh, told me about this jiu-jitsu program. And um, a guy named Sean Choi was running it. And to, actually, Sean is still my instructor today. So I've been with him all these years. I was his first black belt. And then there was a guy named Ian that ran a program. It was like an MMA program. Um, they were doing some stuff. And I trained with him for a while. And But when it happened, it, the reason why I said it was the stupidest thing I'd ever done in my life, because I was still doing all my partying. I was doing all this stuff. And I think I'd been training a month and a half, maybe maybe two or three times a week. I had never even sparred. I may, I think I learned a guillotine and they offered me they were like, Hey, I'm just throwing it out there. Would you be interested in doing a fight? And I'm like, what do you mean a fight? <laughs> and he was like, I, I don't know. Like it's never, we never had this offer, you know, but they got a guy who had an opponent drop out. He's got a little bit more experience than you, like maybe six months more. He's a wrestler. So it's pretty much going to be a wrestling match. And I was like, like a real fight. And he said, yeah, I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a college student, so I'm broke as hell. And he says, and I go, I go, well, does it pay money? He said, yeah, it's a professional fight. And I said, no shit. <laughs> and I, I was like, well, when is it? Let's say this conversation was on a Tuesday. And he's and he kind of laughed and he said, well, it's, it's on Friday. <laughs> I go, wait, hold on. You want me to fight on Friday, a professional fight? I said, how much money? He goes, I don't know. I've never done it. I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> And I said, well, where is the, where is the fight? He started laughing. He said, okay, just cut to the chase. Stop laughing. He said, it's in Tijuana, Mexico. <laughs> I, I said, so you want me to fight a professional fight? You don't know how much money. And you want me to go do it in Mexico? And he said, yeah. I said, okay, let's go. So <laughs> we went to Mexico and I made my, I made my first fight. And I, I got beat up for three rounds. And I ended up winning by a mounted guillotine in the third round. Yeah, and this isn't like you're going to some sports arena in Mexico. Uh, this is this is pulling up to a nightclub called the Baby Rock that looks like a gigantic rock, uh, and you go in and it's like you're walking through caves. And I, uh, the event I went to, they didn't even have chairs. I sat on the stairs right next to the ring. You know what the <laughs> best thing about the Baby Rock is if you've been there, right? If you've been to the Baby Rock. It is the scene in every bad movie where somebody <laughs> dies right before the person that you're watching is about to go out. That, that's the baby rock. No, that, yeah, that's the one where they get stretchered out uh, yeah. into the alley. <laughs> so yeah, right, and they left there, and then they close the door like it didn't exist. So, so how many times do you have to bring that up with the younger guys you got coming up? How many times do you have to bring that up when they're like, "Man, I don't want to." You know, I don't want to fight in in this air conditioned you know banquet hall. Like how many how many how many times do you have to say, "Listen, I fought at in Tijuana and you know, in the, in, at the place where they you filmed know, luckily, Dust Till Dawn." So <laughs> not so much anymore. You, we um, still Dawn. That is such a good analogy. Like, geez, if I win, I still got to be here and fight the zombies. Um, <laughs> you know, not so much anymore. We uh. We, we have such a strong emphasis on, on the mindset and de defining what your why is at my gym. I mean, I would like to think that the biggest aspect of our training is the mental work that we do here. Mm. And I know that we're one of the only few gyms that are not like one of the big name gyms that are so hyper-focused on that those details mm. that um, I really don't have to explain it too much anymore. Because, you know, the guys that are in this room, they're in the room for a reason. And they're, they're, they're feeding off each other's energy. 
And so, I mean, there are days where, yeah, I got to kick them in the ass and I got to remind them what they're there for. And, um, but in general, they, they, they get it, man. Uh, I mentioned before we came on the air that I, I saw you at the uh, cage warriors event. Um, it, that's something that's going to start popping up. Uh, tickets go on sale again tomorrow for their October show. Do you, is there a couple fighters that, that you should bring to our attention uh, of guys there that uh, might be making a name for themselves in the cage warriors organization? Um, 25 pounders, Cody Davis, he just fought on cage warriors. So he, um, He's 3-0 now as a professional. He was 7-0 and as an amateur. He was the first three-time state flyweight champion in California. So he's a kid that's got a lot of potential. Um, hopefully we'll get him back on there again. But he's going to fight here at LXF in um, in October against a real tough kid. It's going to be probably his, his toughest challenge. Uh, the kid's 4-1, and one, uh, all-American wrestler. So that's going to be a good fight. Um, you know, I've, I've got a roster, guys. Believe it or not, I probably have about 40 athletes that I'm working with right now. Wow. Well, you, you you mentioned LXF. I know that's where you fought your last fight. So it's nice to see that you're maintaining the relationship and helping the other guys come up. Um, they just had their last event, uh, like a month last month. It was LXF five. Yeah, I had and I had two guys on it. That's what I was going to ask you. You had two guys. Uh, how did they do? I watched it, but good, I didn't know um, who they were. Good. Uh, JJ Buckner won by split decision. Um, it was a close fight, and then Dominic Clark won by unanimous decision. He had a, a tough go in the very beginning, got dropped. And I think the, the first punch of the fight, but then came back and uh, dominated the round, won the round and won 30, 27 on the cards. You know, um, even with LXF, you know, I had a lot of people that wanted to, and they, they all reached out that wanted to host my, my, uh, my retirement fight. You know, there was uh, some of the bigger shows that were wanting it in and it, it made sense for me to do it home in my backyard. You know, like I've been fighting in L.A. and for L.A. for so long. And I know they're fighting out of, out of Glendale and Burbank, but it's it's close enough where my community is there. It, mm. it made sense that that's where I had to end it. It just it did. It wouldn't have felt right if I did it anywhere else. Do you do you foresee are, are you, now you retired from uh, MMA fighting? Do you foresee yeah. yourself still doing some grappling matches, or is that just going to be as as stuff might come? Say that again. Are are you planning on doing more grappling events in the future still, or is that something you're even going to shy away from to, to focus on coaching? I will probably grapple till the day that I die. You know, like I'll be walking with with four canes. And I'll find a way to get on the mat, right? Like that's something I, I can't live without. Competition is in my blood. Mm. I, I can't function without it. You know, even I, it's funny that I was talking to my wife because I'm done fighting, but I do <laughs> believe that everybody has an opportunity. Like if there's if there's something that makes sense down the road, I'll still be retired, but maybe I do something that makes sense. I fight a guy from my era and like from the WEC days or early UFC days. You know, like. When it's down the road, when I when my son is old enough to actually appreciate, you know, dad going and fighting, it'd be like no different than a golfer going and doing a, a round of golf that you know people get to watch. You're still retired. Mm. I just I just do a fight, you know, if it makes sense, and you know my body can actually get out of bed. Like why not do one? But right now I'm not thinking about it. You know, it'll be down the road if that happens and it makes sense. And um, my focus right now is on my athletes. I've got a lot of great up and comers that are keeping me busy. I mean, we have literally been traveling and flying from the beginning of the quarantine until, you know, I fly out tomorrow. Does your wife consider combat jujitsu a fight? <laughs> hey, listen, if you ever seen me combat jujitsu, that is a fight. Oh, no, I, I got you. That's what I'm wondering. I just went, <laughs> wondering how you got that definition worked out in case you need to. Oh, uh, I see what you mean. To so, blur the lines so, a little bit. I, okay. 
I see where you're going with that. And don't tell my wife. She does consider that grappling. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. Technically, it is. Um, so, listen, you talked about the, the community and, and, you know, you have this you, – you've already had the, well, the one documentary done. This feature's coming on Fight TV. I mean, when did you uh, – like, what do you credit the uh, the notoriety? the Because, the, the, like, it seems like everyone out on the West Coast – knows chad george if, if, if you're in a mixed martial arts combat sports you know who chad george is and and obviously your guys i mean you anybody you under your banner sells tickets like what do you just credit that to is it just just by being always busy and and, and fighting all the time or how, like what is it I, honestly i think passion is infectious you know because i love what i do and i try to Come in, you know, I try to I try to make a lasting impression with everybody that I come in contact with. It's not because I feel like I have to do that. It's like I think that's what we all need, mm. right? We all we, we all feel good when somebody genuinely shakes your hand. We all feel good when somebody's happy to share your success. So that's all I do is every time I see people succeed, I, I cheer them on because that's what allows us all to get through this shit together collectively. Like we can't do anything alone. So if we're all doing this together. Well, then I'm rooting you on and you're rooting me on. And all of a sudden we look around. We've got this whole army behind us. Just it's full of positivity. Yeah, just talking to you for 21 minutes. I can see that because Ed mentioned your guys sell tickets and stuff. Uh, your EBI events that I've been to your fights. You've always had a big following in the crowd. So I can see why people are, are, are uh, gravitate towards you. You obviously have a, a, a positive attitude and, and you've been through a lot of stuff from from, like you said, the early days of uh, some of the stuff you were mixed in that people can relate to and how you got out of it. So, uh, no, that's awesome. And, uh, now I, I'm definitely going to walk up to you and introduce myself in person next time. Mm -hmm. I, next time I see I, you around. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But, no, that's the thing. I don't want any, like, look, people, people put like quote unquote celebrities on this pedestal. Right. But at the end of the day, they are just a person that's done their job. That's it. They've gotten, they've gotten the credibility for doing their job well. So that means that the guy down the road, I, I, got, I got a guy who comes and does work at my place all the time, and he is a hard worker. But nobody gives him the credit for that except for, like, I, I come in, he comes, I'm always giving him extra money. I give mm -hmm. him extra things because we all need that validation. Like, hey, you're doing a good job. And I, I think that's the part of it. People are surprised that, you know, I'll go places. And I, I know I'm not, like, this, this superstar guy, but – I, I get approached and people are like, oh my God, like he's just a normal person. And it's like, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I had a job that punches people in the face. You sit in front of a desk, like you find what I do gut wrenching. I find what you do gut wrenching. <laughs> right. So like we both have to find ways to do jobs that other people don't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. I, I, there's a trailer already on the fight TV. I'm going to drop a link in the description of this video and, and the audio version of this podcast. But um, I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I know we set it up kind of last minute. So thank you so much. I mean, you're sitting no, in your car doing it. <clears throat> um, really quick, just uh, if you want to plug your gym or any, any sponsorship or anything else you got going on, uh, the floor is yours. Awesome. No, I, I appreciate the support. Thanks for uh, bringing me on and talking about the documentary. Um, you know, I'm my athletes at California Mixed Martial Arts. I have Bruno Sosa fighting for the LFA uh, featherweight title on Friday night. That is on UFC Fight Pass. So that's going to be a great uh, great fight. Tough kid that we're fighting. And, um, you know, my biggest thing is, like, listen, if you have dreams and you have goals, go, go for it. Who gives a shit what anybody ever tells you you can or can't do? The only, only things that you are limited to are put on yourself. And just we all got to fight. If there's something you want in life, go fight for it.
Awesome. I see your twi- uh, your Instagram handle is Chad Savage George. Do you have any other uh, social media, or is that your your primary uh, outlet? Yeah my um my Instagram is Chad Savage George. My Twitter is Savage one thirty five. Awesome. And awesome. One one last question because you're you're breaking up when you're talking about uh, your your one of your students fighting at the lights out in October. You said I I only heard the last name was is that Davis. I'm sorry. The the you said you have someone fighting in October for LXF. What what was the name of that fighter? Oh, um, we, we the next show. So I've got Cody Davis who's fighting on the lights uh, lights out card, and I think we might have two or three other athletes that we're we're locking in as well. Okay, no, I just wanted to add it to my notes because you, you, I didn't. It broke up when you awesome. were talking about it. So, all right, thank you. Ah, uh, got you. So much. Got you. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, again, thanks for coming on, Chad. Everybody check out uh, on Fight TV uh, this Friday night, uh, the debut of The Life of a Fighter uh, docuseries uh, featuring Chad George. Uh, you can always check out our podcast at allaccessmma.com. Follow me, Matt Hawkins, at MMAHawk21, at, at MMAHawk21. <laughs> I'm sorry, MMAHawk21. <laughs> On Twitter, on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> Jeez, I got so many things going. Follow Edit Carbazal on Twitter, Carbeerzal on Instagram, Old Head Carb on Twitch. And you can follow the show at Combat Hour and Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram. Got through those okay. Chad, thank you for coming on. Uh, appreciate your time. Look forward to meeting you in person in the uh, near future, hopefully. Uh, worst case, probably Cage Warriors in October. <laughs> right on. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the support. Enjoy the rest of your day, all right? All right good all luck right. to you. All right. Thanks, guys. You too. Good night. Cool. Hey, guys. Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions, and in some, the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, thanks again for listening, and if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout-out on the podcast, maybe uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again. <laughs>